0: Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the SFA Oxford podcast. In this episode, Dr. Jenny Watts, who is SFA's head of clean energy, and Alex Biddle, who is SFA's senior mining analyst, they return to the podcast to discuss the key themes and the trends of the iridium and ruthenium markets. These two minerals, though scarce, are essential for the production of green hydrogen. Jenny, is that correct?
1: Indeed, amongst other things, many (laughs) other things.
0: But the first question comes to you, Alex. What is the latest on South African supply?
2: Thanks, Joel. I think I'd just give a little bit of context around ruthenium and iridium because they are quite small markets, quite dominated by one country, actually. So South Africa essentially accounts for around 80% of primary iridium and about 90% of primary ruthenium supply. So when we're talking about these metals, we are primarily talking about issues in South Africa and mines in South Africa. With kind of little to no uh, open-loop recycling currently available, it's very important that we understand this market in South Africa and, and how the mines there are being influenced. So when we're considering ruthenium and iridium, we have to remember that They are byproducts of platinum mining predominantly in South Africa. So the economics of platinum mines in South Africa have been quite challenged over the last six months, given the fact that we've seen substantial reduction in PGM basket prices as a result of much lower palladium and rhodium prices over the last six months. And consequently, this has led to a situation where we potentially have up to 50% of this industry in South Africa loss-making at current prices. And obviously that is having an impact on uh, decisions over capital allocation at mines and also potentially closing some areas. So these have an impact on ruthenium and iridium. Ruthenium and iridium prices don't really have too much of a bearing on the economics of these mines, Just given the the size of their markets. So when we're looking right now, many of the producers in South Africa are potentially considering cutting back on supply. Over the last few years, we've had much higher prices where we were considering expansions and replacement projects, but now the tables have well and truly been turned. And we're in a period now where we're looking at 2024 as potentially the low point in the basket price for the PGM basket for these mines. So there are potentially some hard decisions that these miners have to take over the next couple of years. Thanks for that, Alex. So
0: what you're saying by means of context is that iridium and ruthenium aren't mined primarily. Uh, They come out of the basket when miners dig for platinum. And so I suppose then for those that might be new to these metals listening... They are heavily dependent on platinum mining in order to be mined.
2: Yeah, 100% Joel. Typically, iridium in particular, when we consider the 5E basket, that being platinum, palladium, rhodium, ruthenium and iridium, typically your iridium production of that would account for probably less than 5% uh, and your ruthenium probably a little bit more than rhodium. So Given the prices where they are for these metals and their relative production volumes compared to the other metals, the revenues don't really have an impact on the bottom line in terms of whether investments in these mines will gain traction. So with the PGM basket now essentially dominated by platinum and palladium revenues, as well as rhodium, given the high historical price of that metal, and these prices have now come off from very, very high levels that we saw in twenty one, twenty two. Like I said before, investment in staying business capital, investment in replacement production or reserve development is all likely to be cut back on over the foreseeable future until we see a recovery in these metal prices it seems that
0: secondary supply is quite crucial
2: Yes, yeah, secondary supply is quite crucial but obviously we're in the infancy of many of these new emerging markets in demand and maybe jenny can come in here and just talk a little bit on how we're seeing recycling being developed over the next few years in some of these new applications
1: yeah, you're spot on there, Alex. I think increasingly new demand areas are really focusing not just on making sure that the iridium and the ruthenium do the job in whatever new application they're focused on, but making sure that they're designing for recyclability from the beginning. So we're very much focused on the uh, the primary supply, the mine supply from South Africa that Alex has just talked about, but increasingly aware that recycling, recovering what we're using is going to be a bigger and bigger part of that supply picture. And obviously some of that's related to just making sure we have enough metal. But given that a lot of these metals are going into energy-related, green energy-related applications, the idea of the, the whole circular economy is, is absolutely paramount. So, uh, yeah, secondary supply becoming uh, not as important as Alex's primary supply, but uh, very much uh, very much part of the picture, yeah.
2: Yeah, maybe just to give some light on primary supply in the long term. We do see the the PGM markets improving in the long term, possibly with higher prices for platinum. And that should be supportive of maintaining ruthenium and iridium production from South Africa in the very long term. But obviously, it would be great for these markets if we could begin to increase the amount of uh, recycling in the system as a whole in order so that we're not ultimately reliant on that primary supply going forward. So Alex, what is the potential impact on price? So given what I've been talking about, obviously we are projecting ruthenium and iridium supply to be decreasing over the medium to long term. And as a result, we're likely to see higher prices in ruthenium and iridium. But that being said, supply from South Africa is relatively inelastic to higher ruthenium and iridium prices given the fact that it's such a small proportion of the, of the basket of revenues that these mines receive. So really what we need to do when we're considering a reaction to lower or higher prices, we have to look at how the demand sectors will adapt to those changing environments. And probably this is where... Jenny can just jump in and talk about how the different demand sectors might react over the next few years.
1: Indeed, yeah, Alex, I think it's really important to understand these are, these are tiny, tiny amounts of metal that are mined, particularly iridium. And, and again, you can't just suddenly turn on the taps either. So that means that over the years, the people, the, the industries, the end uses that, uh, that use iridium and ruthenium are absolutely using them because they are the right, if not the only materials for the job. So you know, when end users are thinking about their long term future plans, they're very much trying to understand what the long term supply profile is as well to be sure if they're going to commit to uh, to using this metal in their process, to be sure that uh, that long term supply is going to be there and and indeed at a at a reasonable and bearable price. So we've uh, we've looked into quite a lot of the end uses, particularly the existing end uses. So some with things like uh, ruthenium, we're looking at the. The hard disk drive and um, demand, we're looking at iridium, we're looking at crucible demand, we're looking at the several very well-established bulk chemical and electrochemical processes where it's very much the case once you've set up that process relying on an iridium or ruthenium catalyst, you're committed to that metal, to that process for several years. You're not going to, to swap in and out easily. So understanding which processes have, have flexibility is uh, is really important there. And then, of course, the, uh, the the big thing is understanding the scope for these two metals in the hydrogen economy. So not just in, in electrolysers and fuel cells, but also in some of the, uh, the midstream applications, which uh, are increasingly a, a part of it. So understanding the, the whole ammonia value chain, that's going to be a very important one. Again, understanding the the options for iridium ruthenium, but also looking at the the competitive technologies, the competitive metals that might also be able to accomplish the same thing.
0: So a question for you both then, how is the prevailing global macroeconomic environment influencing these markets?
1: Yeah, there's been a lot going on in the last two, three years macro-wise and certainly more kind of global things. And certainly one of the areas that we've seen uh, that's had had some big impacts there has been the use of ruthenium in hard disk drives or the whole data storage market as a whole. So I guess the current wave began back in 2020 when we had the first waves of lockdowns. People were having to duplicate all their IT equipment, working at home, doing homeschooling and so on. Lots of buying of, of hard drives then which are now you know, working perfectly well. So that's really slowed down the replacement cycle for sputtering targets of ruthenium to make the drives and, of course, any any inventory of disks themselves. So we've seen a, a definite slowing in that market. We're seeing the incredible growth, the expansion in data storage, and that market's not slowing down anytime soon. If you look at how much data we're all storing, be it photos, be it music, be it podcasts, be it whatever... It's just inexorable growth in data storage. So that's very positive indeed for hard drives. So uh, we've got a, a bunch of macro and hopefully one-off things with pandemics and technology changes, all of which are weaving into uh, to that hard drive demand forecast. But then, of course, there are many other ways in which the uh, perhaps a slowing macro climate feeds into a PGM picture as well. Alex has probably got some, uh, some comments on that too.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jenny. I think with declining confidence in global macroeconomic environment and more and more suggestions that we potentially go into a recession in 2024, obviously that will have a detrimental impact on PGM producers as well. When we consider that platinum, palladium and rhodium are industrial commodities and and in, in recessions, industrial commodity prices typically take a hit, it's likely that Maybe basket prices for the biggest producers of ruthenium and iridium might come down even further and, and maybe put even more pressure on producers to cut back on, on some high-cost production. But that being said, if we do get a rebound in prices post-recession, potentially in 2025, it could alleviate some of the pressure on these producers in, in the medium term. As we move on, let's go into hydrogen then because that's the hot topic. A question for you, Jenny. What is
0: the significance of draft IRA rules for clean hydrogen?
1: Yeah, hydrogen's a a complicated topic, and I think the the amount of legislation and the legislative complexity around hydrogen is really... um, It's, in a sense, at risk of... uh, of diminishing the, the, the exciting technological and industrial aspects of it and um, people are at risk of getting really bogged down in legislation. I think one of the problems has been that uh, quite often we're almost piggybacking on legislation that was designed for other commodities so things like the the oil and gas industry other heavy chemicals and so on. So uh, hydrogen is uh, is a is a one off, and it's uh, people are struggling slightly to uh, to sort out the uh, the legislation that we need, as opposed to the legislation that is actually getting us slowed down in hydrogen. And and certainly, I think one of the the you know, the, the huge boons for the whole green green economy has been the introduction in the U.S. of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA. Um, and that is moving quite slowly in terms of actually delivering actionable incentives or, or money for, uh, for the hydrogen economy to, uh, to, to you know, increase production. And certainly the, uh, the, the, the clean hydrogen rules there, um, which stipulate where the renewable energy that's, that's being used to make the hydrogen, where that renewable energy comes from geographically, it needs to come from near to where the hydrogen is being produced, it needs to come at the same time. Um, all of these things are very much, uh, it, it's a, an early stage industry that's finding its way. So uh, we, uh, we need to get that legislation right and usable rather than legislation that, uh, that slows things down.
0: Uh, and so just finally, Jenny, uh, what are the major emerging areas of interest for these metals?
1: I think one of the, uh, the emerging areas that we're, we're looking at very closely at the moment is, uh, is trying to understand and watch and see what the prospects are in, uh, in hydrogen carriers. We've talked, obviously, about the usefulness of hydrogen. We've talked about hydrogen production a little bit. Um, but getting it around, getting it transported from, uh, from A to B. And certainly we're, we're looking at some of the, uh, the ammonia, aspects of the ammonia market um, and the, the potential role of ruthenium in parts of that again there are many competing technologies but uh, certainly the uh, the prospects for uh, there are some startup companies that are doing some very interesting things here um, and certainly some existing processes where thinium can be used very very conveniently and one of the, uh, the the very interesting areas that we're watching is cracking of ammonia so once you've made the ammonia turning it back into hydrogen again potential for ruthenium in there. And again, we're looking at some of the uh, big global networks, the, the whole shipping industry, how that uses ammonia. Again, that's going to be a one to watch and, and certainly understanding the role of, of PGMs in, in part of that as we move towards a much greener economy, as we move towards uh, the long-term net zero goal. So looking beyond the uh, the near term for these metals, but looking at what uh, what opportunities and needs for these metals are going to be out there through the 2030s, through the 2040s, and very much seeing how that uh, how that meshes with the the long term supply. Obviously, if you're looking at mine production in uh, the next 10 years, you're wanting to understand the demand side. Again, people who are looking at the long term new uses again want to understand the uh, the supply side of things. So. Uh, With all of these metals, really important to understand both the supply and the demand side in parallel all the way. This episode is
0: created in light of the recent release of SFA's Iridium and Ruthenium quarterly report. It's a report that reviews recent trends and events that impact these markets while also providing a price forecast. I will leave a link below to the LinkedIn profiles of Alex and Jenny, as well as a link to the reports website page to find out more information if you're interested. Thank you very much.